This episode of Out of Game is dedicated to Bob Collitz. Your creativity, intelligence, and wit will be missed around the gaming table. God bless you, Bob. Rest in peace. Welcome to Out of Game Episode 11. In today's episode, I give a recap of Origins 2015, where I interview Haba USA, Stronghold Games, and give a very special interview at the end. This is your host Ryan. Join me and Chris as we go out of game. Welcome to Out of Game Episode 11. Episode 11. So this is the Origins 2015 episode. I had a I had a wonderful time at Origins. Chris did not go. When was Origins? Origins was as of this posting two weeks ago. Okay, and it's in Ohio. It's in Columbus, Ohio. It's always, uh, I guess, what beginning of June ish every year. How many people were at Origins this year? I heard there were fifteen thousand. Attendees at Origins, which is, I think, the largest attendance they've ever had. Mm. So Origins is—it's like you go to Gen Con. It's like you're at Gen Con on Wednesday. That's what Origins is like. It has all, almost not the entire spectacle of Gen Con, but it feels like Gen Con. It's in a convention center similar to the one in Indianapolis. There's a huge dealer hall. There's any type of game you could ever want to play. But when you're when you're walking around the dealer hall. You can just stroll around. It's wide open aisles. Can't even picture that. You're not getting bowled over by <laughs> backpacks and strollers. You, I, you could you could literally walk the entire from one end of the dealer hall to the other if you're like walking at a, at a good clip, which you can do. You could probably walk that in like 30 seconds. Hmm. Can you imagine even trying? How far do you think you could get in the Gen Con dealer hall in 30 seconds? In 30 seconds, you might be able to get. Uh, I don't know, 40 feet. 40 feet. I think that's pushing it. Yeah, that's pushing I think it's about a foot a second in the dealer hall there. Sometimes you just have to stop. It's like being in a Chicago rush hour traffic jam at all times yeah. with people who don't know how to drive. It's not an accident on my way here, by the way. That was <laughs> kind of scary. Anyways, I actually did some, uh, some like professional podcasting, I feel like, at Origins. What did you do? And, and that's part of what we're going to be doing this episode. So I interviewed a couple people. I interviewed Leah Culleton president of Haba USA. Haba nice. USA makes amazing uh, toys and games for kids. They're a company out of Germany, Haba USA, headquartered in Germany. This is their USA branch or division. She'll explain more about the company. Not How did you justice. get that interview? They actually contacted me because I had a press badge. Nice. Which nothing like that happened at Gen Con, but Origins must do a much better job of sharing the press information because I got multiple emails from different companies saying they wanted to meet me. Uh, you know, not all of them were scheduling interviews, but they they reached out to me to come to their booth and check out their products. Uh, but they, Hobby USA specifically, wanted to set up a, a, a meeting time. So I had it was my first interview as a podcaster. I had a sit down interview with the president of Haba. I heard a rumor, by the way, that there's a really good interview that you you either made or are going to make. That's true. Like a, it's going to be great. 
there, there it's is a little bit of a spoiler yeah, alert. little it's spoiler rumor that I heard. And I interviewed uh, Stephen Bonacor. So wanted to validate our podcast by having Bonacor on. He's on. He's been on like every podcast I've ever listened to. So wanted to make sure to get hit an interview. Does that with mean him. we're legitimate now? It does, kind of. I think it does. Good. As of episode eleven, we are legitimate. <laughs> so uh, should I share what the what the very the best interview is going to be though? Yes, let's hear it. I want right. to hear if it's true what I heard. So I went to Origins 2015 with my lovely wife Esther, and I'm going to interview Esther about her experiences at Origins 2015. Okay, and that's what I thought. And just so the the listening audience knows this. Esther is going to make a fantastic interview. Yeah. She's extremely candid and will give a lot of good insight into uh, what happened at Origins and how Ryan uh, conducts himself there. And <laughs> there's, it's, it's, I can't wait to hear this interview. I personally haven't heard it yet. But. Yeah. So Esther is a straight shooter by all respects. She's very straight shooter. So it, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. I think it'll be the highlight of the episode. <laughs> I think so. Before we get into all that, it's time to announce our contest winner. So this is the contest to win a copy of The Angriest Angel, signed by its author. That's right. And who's the author of The Angriest Angel? The, the, no, the, the novel author is me. <laughs> me? Chris. Chris Halt. Christopher the, Halt. The author of The Angriest Angel. Yeah. So we're giving away a copy of this book to one of our listeners, and we had a drawing for um, for the winner, and the winner is? And the winner is of the autographed copy of The Angriest Angel by the author, future bestseller. Future bestseller, coming to theaters too, for sure. Maurice! <laughs> Congratulations, Mo. Congratulations. Good job, Mo. Good job. We didn't choose your name, though. Sorry that you submitted. Sorry. Mo. Yeah, the contest, just to reiterate what it was, the people that submitted segment names uh, got automatically entered into the contest, and it was a random draw. And even though Mo won the names that we chose for the winners, which we'll get to in a second, the winners of the <laughs> segment names are not related to the winner of the book. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. I like how difficult it's that was. It's easy for me to say. <laughs> it was fun just to watch you struggle oh, shit, through that. Man. So, yeah. Uh, we didn't choose his name, but he. It, it pays to be either first or last when you enter these contests. Mo. Was last. Good job. Mo. Uh, you know, entering at the last possible moment. Why does it pay to be last? It pays because when I look at the email, I, I, I determine the order by the order that they're in the inbox. So if you're first or last, you're going to be possibly you're going to be the number one. And I pretty much always roll a one when I roll dice. Yeah, that's true. So I roll, I've rolled in the last two contests a one. I, ro- I rolled a one on the 12-sided die and on the 10-sider for this one. So, Mo, congratulations. I'll reach out to you to get info on how you, how you would like your book to be autographed. That's right. Future Ryan here. This won't be the first time you hear from me in this episode. But in case you're wondering what that was all about, I uh, accidentally posted the wrong date for the contest deadline. So we recorded this episode a week before the contest deadline, and there were some entries afterwards, one of which happened to be Mo, who won the contest. So we had to do some post-show editing to get the proper winner in there. I'll make sure to give the proper dates 
in future contests and probably give a little more time for entries. Anyways, back to the show. And speaking of the segment names, Chris, what segment names did we choose and who uh, submitted them? First of all, thank you everybody for submitting these segment names. It's something we sorely needed. Uh, we do have a, a pretty good structure of our show, but the segment names we had were weak. And the, the ones that everybody submitted were great. We, we really had some good ideas from them, and we did choose some winners. So the first one is for the intro. Now, the intro we had, uh, there, there were a lot of, there was at least three that could have won. That yeah. They were all so good. But the one we ended up picking was called? Spawn Point. Spawn Point, submitted by Bonnie. Thank you, Bonnie. We liked Spawn Point, even though I feel it, it's kind of a video game term. There are games, board games that have spawn points. Like I think uh, Super Dungeon Explorer has spawn points. So validated into the podcast. Yeah, spawn point it is. In fact, spawn point is where we are right now. Think about it. (laughs) The second segment name was uh, the discussion section of the podcast. And again, great entries. And the one we went with was Table Talk. Submitted by Chip. Thank you, Chip. So we like these new names. Uh, I'm very happy with the names that came out. They're better than any of the names I thought of by far. Oh, me too. They're great names. So Spawn Point and Table Talk. You know, maybe later if we have some other segments we don't know how to name, we might do something like this again. But I, I really appreciate everyone that submitted entries. All right. So Chris, I don't know if you recall the last episode. I think it was. might have been the one before where we talked about eliminating our podcast competition so we could win the Golden Geek Award. I remember. And we were talking about Rich Summer, celebrity Rich Summer from Mad Men who has a podcast. Mm -hmm. So after our podcast aired, I listened to Rich Summer's podcast, and he's mysteriously going on a break. Did you have something to do with that? I I think we might have scared him off. He didn't really give a good reason. He just said he needed to cool it for a while. Mm. Gave some lame excuse about being at too much work. So... Rich Summer is off the list, so there's like, you know, just 170 or so more to go, and then we'll win. <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> one by one. And speaking of uh, our podcast, you know, we've always been encouraging you guys to join our guild. And I did the math, and we have finally succeeded. We are not only in the top 50% of podcast guild members, we're in the top 46%. Nice. So we're moving on up. It's trending properly. Yeah. So thanks to everyone who's joined the guild. Now uh, we'll set to get some more discussion going on out there. Uh, but it's been awesome to see that go up. Uh, so I'm going to talk about this later. But uh, I had predicted my magic number to go down to 33. Mm-hmm. And you thought I could do better? So you want to know what my new number well, is? You went to Origins. That's yeah. the problem. Well, you, so, you know, my thought about Origins, I thought I would actually decrease my number from playing games there. Um, but I kind of forgot about the math trade. This is what screwed me the up. The what trade? The math trade. A math trade is where you... The, the short version of what a math trade is, is there's some computer system that you program that you enter You enter all the games you want to trade and everyone oh, right. does that. And then it does this complex algorithm and like you show up all at the same time in the same place. And then... I'll give my game to someone and then they'll give a game to someone and it'll go in like a big circle like that. And eventually I'll get a game back. So, I, so I did the math trade and I traded seven games, which means you got seven, I got games. seven new games and you traded seven old games. Yeah. I traded some games that I didn't like or whatever. So my number went up to 41. I actually, <sighs> for, out of that 41, I actually played one or two new ones, but it still went up. 
So, so 41 games that you own that you haven't played. Yeah, 41. It's really hard to keep it under 40 for whatever reason. And the, the same thing is going to happen at Gen Con because I've got all these games still to, that I want to trade. So I, I'm, I'm kind of teetering on giving up on the Magic Don't number. give up. This is, it's fascinating <laughs> to watch. And we're going to go back over these podcasts and graph yeah. the Magic number because you did start out pretty high. True. Yeah, I was near 50. So I still am lower, but I don't know if I'm going to make it below 20 by the end of the year. I made a uh, segue here into the Google Voice number I created. So I, cre- Voice. I created a voicemail for our podcast, which is something some other podcasts did. So I just copied them. So if you want to leave us a voicemail, just dial 40 OOG OOG 80. I tried to get some kind of pattern going in there. That's easy to remember. Yeah. If you can't remember that, then try to remember this. It's 406-646-6480. Uh, not going to repeat that. Even so wait, what, what was the, the first number with the, 40, with the letters in it? 40-O-O-G-O-O-G-80. 40-O-O-G-O-O-G-80. Yeah. There's, notice they're That's even. an actual phone number. Yeah. You see, there's there's uh, they're all even numbers because I don't like odd numbers because they're not <laughs> and balanced. And it's, it's equilaterally balanced, I see. Too. Yeah. And the 40 doubles to 80. So I made so, I made sure that it was it's OCD approved. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, dial our number and leave us a voicemail, and we will play it on the show. And if it's a question, we'll answer it for as part of our listener question segment. So I think the last thing I wanted to talk about, Chris, was our dice tower application. Let's hear it. So you guys are probably wondering, hey, did Out of Game make it to the Dice Tower network? And I can answer that question now. With an emphatic no. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Well, I don't know if emphatic is the word. So I, I submitted our podcast to Tom Vassell. A long, detailed description of our podcast, I might add, where I described every segment. I really went for it. And he responded back very cordially and said, thank you for the email. We're, we're not adding any podcasts to the network right now. We're going to add a couple after, or after Gen Con but there's at least 10 other podcasts that want to get on the network. So we're suddenly in competition now with 10 other podcasts and probably more by the time Gen Con hits. Um, So, you know, it was a little disheartening because it's, I don't know how we stack up. I don't know what these other podcasts are. I don't know how good they are or whatever. You know, I don't think he's going to give me the list so we can go eliminate them. (laughs) Right. So, but I did talk to him at origins. I, I ran into him and he did recognize me, which I was surprised about. He recognized me from my picture. He kept mentioning how my picture is so weird that he sees that it's memorable. Which so, picture is it? The one on our website? I think it's the one from Facebook where I'm, I'm holding my daughter, but like it's cut off, so I'm just, it looks like I'm just looking down at my arms. <laughs> okay. Until you actually open it, and then you see that I'm holding my daughter. So I think that was the one he's talking about. So he, he he knew who I was, kind of, and. I told him, hey, you know, I just emailed you about our podcast, and he reiterated the whole thing. So here's a couple of quotes from Tom Vassell. <laughs> the first, one of the first things he said to me is like, you know, we don't want to be the Walmart of podcasts. Oh, great. <laughs> He's like, we can't just let every podcast on the network. But I just thought that was unintentionally, um, <laughs> um, what's the word, insulting? Because mm-hmm. it, it was like he was saying, we don't want to just let any old cheap podcast onto our network. So that was the first thing he said that I thought was kind of funny. And then he, he went on to explain to me about how they're going to add a couple after Gen Con. 
And then he got interrupted because it was his turn in the game he was playing. And so he, he did his turn and then forgot we were talking. So I, so I ran into him the next day. I was like, hey, we were talking about you know the podcast or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah. And then he went into the whole thing again. So wait a minute. Let's let's go back to – so he was in the middle of a game when you were talking to him? Yeah, because we, we sat in the Dice Tower area to play a game, my, my wife and I and um, our friend. And he was sitting right next to us playing a game. And so – he stood up or something, so I want I talked to him while he was standing up. But he was still playing his game. Yeah, it was okay. just wasn't his turn. I see. It was gotcha. something that you know you might do because <clears throat> yeah. he needed something to do. You know, in between I think turns, it's boring. Yeah. yeah. So I ran into him again uh, the next day and continued our conversation. And he, he went through the whole thing about Gen Con, and it was really strange what he said at the end. He you know he said we're only going to add a couple. There's like ten competing, and then he looked at me and said, "But you can keep trying." So I, I kind of looked at him like I didn't know what that meant. You can like how? What are we trying? I didn't know. It almost seemed to me like maybe he had already chosen. He already made his decision because he said you can keep trying, but there's nothing to try. He said they're not adding anyone until after Gen Con. So what does you can keep trying mean? So it was really, I really had no idea what that what that meant. So I don't know. We'll just have to try. You know, I had a thought though. If we don't get on, maybe we'll just start our own podcast network, Whoa. competing network. What, what, what would we call it? Call it the Card Tower Network. The Card Tower Network. <laughs> so you have the Dice Tower and the Card Tower. Yeah, I like and that. A, a tower of cards. Yeah, you know? could get a new logo going. Maybe we should. Would we have to rename our podcast the Card Tower? Call it Out of Dice. Out of Dice. <laughs> Instead of Out of Game. Yeah. So we'll see. After Gen Con, uh, we'll see what the final decision is. So because perfect segue because of. Uh, because of this obscure ending to my conversation with Tom Vassell, we've decided to write him a dramatic letter and read it on the podcast. And our letter goes something like this. Dear Tom Vassell, many board game podcasts give deep, thoughtful reviews of board games. They tirelessly play a game multiple times and then proceed to give an insightful opinion of the game's components, art, theme, Mechanisms and replayability. On our podcast, we play a game half of a time, put it on our top 10 games of all time, then stick it on a shelf next to 40 unplayed games to gaze at in a lazy boy recliner. This, sir, is why we deserve to be on the Dice Tower Network. Sincerely, the Out of Game Podcast. great champion you must believe you are the best if you are not pretend you are all right fake it till we make it so chris just to remind everyone what fake it till we make it is this is where we pretend that we're on the dice tower network continuing our theme and we answer questions from the Dice Tower episodes as if we were on the network, even though we're not. So last week's question was, what are your rules for food and drink at the gaming table? That's an underrated question because inevitably people are going to want to eat and drink while they're playing. Right. And then you've got games that you don't want to get stuff spilled on on the table, and so you have to have some sort of policy in place. Now, I know in our gaming group, uh, we wheel out the 
the little trays so that you're, you're setting your food and drink on the trays, not on the table. But people inevitably, they deviate from that and just go ahead and set their drink on the table itself. Right, which is dangerous. Yeah, it is dangerous. I think the common sense rule applies. If you want to do that, just be careful with your drink. You know, use a coaster if the table could be damaged. Keep it away from cards or anything that could be ruined easily. And maybe use something like a three-strike rule. You know, if you, if you have people that are typically clumsy or careless, then, you know, eventually <laughs> make them sit in the corner by the, <laughs> by the tray or uh, come up with some other policy for them. Right. Yeah, so at, at my house, there really isn't any rule. Uh, we eat pizza. We eat chips and salsa. We have open cans of soda. So it's surprising, right? Because I wouldn't have predicted that. Yeah, you would think that I would be very anal about that, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really have any rules. The only thing that I do is if someone's eating something greasy, I will. If they're not, if they're not realizing that they're touching my my games and stuff with their oily hands, I'll like hand them a napkin or something, or I'll tell them, hey, you know, make sure to get a napkin. And I even have a friend, Brian, I actually like that he does this. When he's at my house, playing, when we're playing my games, he'll tell other people to be careful, which I think is nice, because they're not even his games, but he still like, will say something. So I'm trying to figure out why you allow this. Okay. Because it, does, it doesn't make sense to me. It is a little strange. It's a little strange. So I think it's only- my love of food. I, I- but your love of food is nothing compared to your love of games. <laughs> you don't gaze at your food. Do you open the refrigerator at night? Pull up a chair and gaze into it. That's true. So here's my theory. I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. If somebody spills food or drink on a game, it allows you the opportunity to buy a new copy of the game. Oh, you're right. And it's like a little loophole in allowing you to have a new wrapped version of a game that you might already like, but it's brand new. That's a good it's point. A loophole. That could be it. I and th- it won't increase your magic number. You're right, because it's, well... Yeah, because they're going to be spilling on a game that we're playing. Yeah. That's a good theory. That's I, the best I can do. Other than that, I don't know why you're doing that. Maybe the next time. So nothing's ever been spilled on a game of mine. So when that happens, I'll have, to, I'll have to determine if I'm excited or upset about it. You know, this also brings another thought to mind. Is there a cell phone policy at the table in addition to food and drink? In other words, you don't want people spilling their food and drinks on the table. But what about pulling out cell phones in the middle of a game? How do you feel about that? I have I've heard of game groups having a policy about that, but in our Wednesday night group where my friend Chris Halt is there, <laughs> this this rule would be void and null. Because oh, why did I bring that up? Because it would be it would be equivalent to like torturing you with a spoon if we didn't allow you to get your phone out. <laughs> wow, did I walk into that one? Yeah. Honestly, though, I I don't care about that so much as long as the person is paying attention. The only time that it bothers me is when their turn comes up, and then they don't know it's their turn, and then they ask you what happened. Right, and they have to recap. Yeah, yeah. that's when it gets annoying. For you, it's like you're multitasking, right. and you don't you're still ready, and you still take your fir- your turns faster than everyone. Yeah, because that's kind of your thing. So it can be rude, but it's not always rude. Yeah, in other words. Yeah, and then this week. Uh, was the Origins episode. And there was a live recording of the Dice Tower at Origins, which I did not go to, surprisingly. You'd think I'd want to go there and schmooze, but I decided to play games instead. And I do not know what the question was because they did not announce it. 
So we do not have an answer to this week's question. If there was one, sorry. But anyways, time to move on to table talk. Table talk. So this table talk is about Origins 2015. And I'm just going to quickly run through a little recap. And then we're going to jump into the interviews that I did and anchor the show off with interview with my wife, Esther. The Esther interview. I can't wait to hear it. But I did have a good, I had a great time at Origins. One thing that was kind of awesome was the first day that Esther and I were there, I was going to get a game at the boardroom, which is this room. It's like the board game library they have at Origins. So I went to check out a game. And when I was walking back, I saw Esther talking to someone. And I kind of looked at this girl she was talking to. And it was a friend of ours that moved away from Illinois two years ago to Ohio that we haven't seen. And she just happened to be at Origins by herself. That's crazy. And we ran into her. So we unexpectedly got to spend time with this friend of ours for like the whole convention. We played, we had, you know, now we had three people to play games. She, it turns out after she moved, she got really into board games. So kind of around the same time that I was getting into it. So uh, her name's Melissa. She a listener? She's not, but she might be. I gave her a business card. I don't know good. if she'll listen or not, but if you're listening, Melissa, it was great hanging out with you, and we really had a good time. And one of the things that I did at the at Origins, probably the thing that I want to talk about the most, was I went to the Cabalist Meetup for the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast, which is my favorite podcast I've mentioned before. Second favorite. No, it's my favorite. No, it's your second favorite. Why do you say that? Oh, because of ours. Yes. Well, that doesn't count. All right, it's fine. It's my second favorite okay, podcast. You. My second favorite podcast of all time. And they have a meetup every year at Origins, and all their fans come out to the big bar on two. And a couple of things that were great about this meetup. First of all, I got to meet all the founders of the Cabal, which I think a lot of our listeners are Cabalists um, that found out about our podcast through the secret cabal. So they know what I'm talking about. The founders are great and they're such, they're such good guys. It's great getting to meet them and talk to them. Also got, also ran into uh, a listener of ours that was there, Rob Heiser. So Rob had a really good time talking to you. Rob was even kind of talking to Esther off to the side and trying to like make a case for me, like why I brought her to origins, which I thought was nice of him. And uh, I, I had a great time talking to you. Rob it was great to meet you. Uh, and, but here's the, the best thing that, that happened in this podcast. So the secret cabal, they just tend to trouble seems to follow them. I don't know if it's, you say trouble, but they're just a, a rowdy group. So they were, they had this meetup and last year they had this big raffle where they gave away a bunch of board games to people. I think almost everyone got a game last year in their raffle because they had so much stuff, free stuff that they got from people. And they were selling product of theirs, like swag that they had created. So they were taking entries for this raffle. And it was strange. Like this this buzz started going around the room about like something was going on with the raffle and that it might not happen. So I was trying to figure out what was going on, right? I'm a member of the press. You know, I want to know what's going on. And I was talking to this guy. who He was kind of in charge of the product. And he said that the head of Origins, like the head of Gamma, this guy who's in charge of not just Origins, but Gamma, which is this huge organization, was there and found out that they were selling product Uh-oh. and confiscated this guy's badge, this guy that was in charge of, of all the product. So he wouldn't be able to even 
go to the convention anymore because they took his badge away. Wow. So the secret cabal guy, like the founders kind of found out about this. And then this whole like, so here, here's what was funny. This gamma guy was still in there after this all happened. And I was nosy, right? So I was intentionally standing by this guy to listen to what he was saying. So I'm like standing there and I kind of have my back turned to him, but I, I was intentionally listening to what he was saying. And I could hear him talking to some other guy about the secret cabal. And he didn't say the secret cabal. He was just, he was, he was basically ranting about how, how ticked off he was about this. And, and, and to his credit, I mean, he's kind of right. Like it is not really fair to all the, all the game companies that paid to sell product at origins. And then these guys just kind of come in and they're just selling stuff in the hallways. It's completely against their policy. Mm-hmm. So I understand why he was upset, but he, it's like, he wouldn't let it go. So he, he was ranting about this group and he was like, they're just some podcast group, you know? And, and these guys, the secret cabal, they, they're all about origins. Like because of the secret cabal, so many people probably have gone to origins just from listening to the secret cabal talk about it. I mean, they're huge advocates of origins. And this guy has, it's like, he has no idea who they are. And he's just ranting about it. There's some podcast group and he's so ticked off about it. And so Bonacore had to get involved. Like the guy I interviewed, he, wow. he, he, he was a sponsor at origins. So he was talking to them. The founders were talking to him. Of course, the founders are kind of tipsy at this point because this is in a bar and they had to like go off to the side. Long story short, he shut down the whole raffle and almost ruined the whole thing. And somehow Bonacore and the founders made a deal with this guy that they would still do the raffle, but not live. And that Bonacore would give the products out from his booth because he had a booth there the next day. So I'm just, there's that's, this is just all I know about it just from what I heard, wow. but it was like this big ordeal. And I, I'm kind of excited to hear the cabal talk about it because they're going to, I'm hoping they're going to share their conversations they have with this guy. Mm-hmm. Because I, I would love to know when when they were talking to him, I was even being more obvious. I I, I I snuck up behind the gamma guy to where my shoulder was literally like an inch from him, and I and I was leaning back, listening, and I was behind him, and then he kind of kind of looked over his shoulder at me, and then he stopped talking, and he made Bonacor and the Cabal founders go out in the hallway. So I basically caused them to stop their conversation and leave the room to finish it. Wow, which I was so pretty proud recorded of. it. Yeah, I thought about it. It's like just kind of holding the mic up there. So that was that was pretty interesting. Uh, handed out some business cards. Met another podcaster, Brandon, who's starting up a new podcast, Brawling Brothers Board Game Podcast. Uh, he was a cool guy. And then one great thing I got to do was talk to my favorite author. My favorite author was there as like the special guest uh, for authors. Second favorite author. <laughs> <laughs> That might be stretching it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so he was there, and his something got screwed up with his schedule. So no one showed up for his like seminar from like two to three afternoon. Mm-hmm. So Esther and I sat in the room and talked to him just about whatever for an hour, which was really cool. So I had a good time talking to him, Dennis McKiernan. I'm not sure if I said his name. No, you didn't. Dennis McKiernan. He's a great fantasy author. He has what are a, some of his book titles? Um, the Iron Tower Trilogy is uh, is one of his more well-known ones. He has a whole series of books called the Mythgar series. And he's written, he counted them for us when we were talking to him. I think it was 28 books. Nice. And I, probably 15 or 20 of those are in this Mythgar series. I highly recommend reading the series. It's really good. And uh, while I was at Origins, I played some old games. 
not going to go into details about these, but I thought I was going to play new games, and I ended up playing some classics like Agricola, La Havre, Puerto Rico. So it was really, it was actually kind of nice to play some games. I'm starting to change my opinion about playing really? playing old games. Yeah. Wow. It, there was definitely some value there, you know, to to diving into strategy a little more. Not going to say I like it better than playing new games, but... It's a step in the right direction. Yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, I had a great time. And there was a surprise hit game that I played. I think I've mentioned before that I hate uh, abstract games because they have no theme. And they don't meet any of the elements that I considered fun in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but surprisingly, there is a game called Dimension that was being demoed at Origins, which was my favorite game that I played there, probably. Wow. Of course, it's a new game, but I think I've, I've figured something out. I, like, I seem to like abstract puzzle games. So in this game, it's, you have, you know, I'm not even going to try to explain it. We'll but have to dedicate a future. It's like, a, pu- it's like a, a puzzle you have to figure out, an abstract game that involves some sort of puzzle you have to figure out. I realize that I like those. Unlike an abstract strategy game like chess, where it's like a big, like a big sweeping strategy game. This is more of like there's just a puzzle. Okay. So I, I didn't realize there was a difference there until I, until I played this game. So Dimension, it's by Cosmos. I talked to them a lot at their booth too, um, but I really liked their game. In fact, I ordered it when I got home, so my number is going to go up. And with that, I think it's time to jump into some interviews. So first interview is with Leah Culleton, president of HABA. I'm here with Leah Colton, president of Haba USA. Correct. Uh, just wanted to ask her a few questions about Haba. So, can you tell us a little bit uh, just about Haba for those that don't know? Okay. Haba is still a family-owned company. It's almost over 75 years old, and they're in the, located in the Bavarian section of Germany. Mm-hmm. So, they still make all of our wooden parts and pieces are still made in Germany for all of our games, just like our wooden rattles and toys and things. So the USA division is a wholly owned division of that Haba Germany family, Um, so we call it Haba USA. Okay. So we sell toys and games in the United States. Okay. So, like, for someone like me, uh, I've always heard about Haba as a gamer. For It's, like, a great place to get games, but we can only get them, like, at Germany, and gamers could only find them at Essen. So... I think it was last year or two years ago that you guys were first at Gen Con, I remember. So what made you decide to start coming to like these, these types of gaming events and conventions? It was really a matter of having the time and staff, yeah. to be honest with you, for the last... So I started with Haba and started importing and distributing with the Haba USA in 2002. So we've been selling the games to local toy stores, specialty stores. We don't sell to the mass market. So we've already been selling our games in the U.S. for over 11, 12 years, but we weren't specifically targeting the hobby and game market. If they found us, great, and if they ordered from us at Toy Fair or wherever. But um, a year ago, I hired a national sales manager. So once I had him on board to help me with the toy industry, I, it opened up my time to break into the gaming industry because I'm finding they're two totally different industries and you guys are very much a community. It's a very tight community in this gaming community. I love it because everybody's willing to help me and you know everybody's excited to have us here, which has been awesome to be welcomed with open arms to this community yeah. that sees the value in our Haba games. Right. You know, your typical toy store really doesn't, you know, they buy the games if they like wow. the box cover and you know, your typical toy store. Yeah. But um, the, the game stores, I love how they want to really play play it and know it and 
what right. what value does it bring to your table and to your family that you're spending time on it? Yeah, yeah. I think um, like board gaming itself is like a niche market, right? So board gamers are really looking for quality games with quality components and quality pieces. But then if you go out to try to find kids' games in the store, it's just like going to Walmart to try to find a board game. It's usually not that great of a game. It doesn't teach them a lot unless you're really focusing or looking at like specialty educational items. So one thing that I think gamers are looking for games like that Haba provides because they do teach something. They do have quality components, and it's it's almost like a niche uh, in the in the toy industry, I guess, for buying children's games, uh, which is something that I like about it. So, what um, could you maybe tell us something new and upcoming for Haba this year? Okay. <laughs> I was hoping to have some of the new. So Gen Con last year was my first Gen Con. Okay. So we'll take out two booths this August or July, whenever it is at the summer. I'll have two booths there. And then this is my first Origins. Okay. I was hoping to have some of the brand new game releases because what's amazing is this gaming community, like you said, they're over in SN. They're finding out about games last year at Gen Con. I had people asking me about games that I didn't even know that Haba was producing yet. Okay. Or I had just learned about them and I'm like how do you know because so what I'm about a six month lag behind the top of Germany so I get to go over there and play the games they've got over 200 titles and I have to look at the artwork the price point whether the international box will work whether I want to make it an all English box so I then I decide to bring it over well it takes three or four months to get it printed translated to English and everything so this year I'm going to introduce two new games at um, the Gen Con show and one of them I'm really excited about is called um, Monster Laundry. Okay. And it comes in a large square tin, nice. and it's a clothesline, a flexible clothesline that kids actually get in the circle and stretch the clothesline around their bodies. <laughs> and they're collecting and clothespinning little monsters that match their clothespins on the left and right side of their bodies. Wow. And grabbing it. So it's a fun, you know, adults will have fun with it. It might be a little hard with adults. They might have to stand on their knees so their clothesline at the same level as, you know, everybody else's clothesline. Right. Um, so it's going to be just a great game. It's going to be fun to demo because you have to get in a big circle and try and grab these monsters. Okay. But the other one that I'm really excited about that I think the gaming community will like is Haba bought the rights to a game that used to be really popular called Gulo Gulo. Oh, I've heard of that. Have you heard of it? Yeah. So um, we, we've re, re, um, done the artwork. It's not the same artwork that was used before and we've made a children's version of it. It's a little older children's version of it It's and they're calling it Pharaoh's Gulo Gulo. Okay. In the U.S. we're calling it Pharaoh's Gulo Gulo because I think that Gulo Gulo name is important to use. So in Germany, they won't use that name because nobody knows that name. But in the U.S., we'll have the same game with a different title for the American market. Okay. So I hope to have that at Gen Con also. Okay. So. Oh, that's exciting. So... That's great. And you mentioned like uh, games that adults can play. I wanted to specifically ask you because what what would you say are like the top three or games that adults would maybe enjoy just playing by themselves, even if their kids weren't playing with them? One, the very first one right now is our hot game, Rhino Hero. Yeah. I have people that are, a lot of guys will take pictures that are just stacking that rhino on the cards and challenging themselves or, you know, it's a good game for them to wind down after doing your strategy games and your you know, whatever other games that you're playing. So Rhino Hero, definitely number one. Okay. For so- and can do it by solo play. Same with our Animal Upon Animal. Right. We have several versions of Animal Upon Animal where, you know, you can stack wooden animals. And the most difficult version I've been asked what, because 
because there's many versions. We have a new version that has um, wooden animals that stack on a moving iceberg. Oh, wow. The iceberg actually spins. Okay. So once you stack your animal, you have to spin the iceberg, and there's a little shark, wooden shark tail that shows you which direction you need to spin the iceberg. And as the shark is swimming, he has to make the noise of the animal he's passing. Oh. So you're stacking, you're spinning, and... Um, <laughs> to make it even more difficult, you can place that iceberg on a sphere, a half a sphere, uh, so it actually spins and is tippy. Okay. So it will tip left or right, and it will spin around clock- clockwise or counterclockwise. Okay. So for those advanced animal upon animal people, there is a animal upon animal called Here We Turn. Here We Turn. Okay. Yes. yes. Does it have an- does it have animal animal upon animal in the name, or they just it search is. for Here We Turn? No, it has animal upon animal in the name. Okay. Yep. I don't have it here. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, and then something that's important to my wife Esther and I is we have a, a son who just turned three. So we've been trying to, like we had the game Orchard, which you guys sell. And we've been trying to find other games that a three-year-old could play, which hasn't been that easy, to be honest. So um, I know you mentioned a series of games that you have. So could you talk a little bit about the games that would target that young of an age? Okay. The game that you have is probably the my very first games Orchard because there's a few different versions of Orchard, and I don't know if you have the one with the big chunky pieces. Uh, we have the we have an actual the big box one with the small pieces, okay. yeah. Okay. Which he has a little trouble with some of it, but he's been able to get it. Okay. But yeah. Okay. So we have the my very first game series that has bigger dice, bigger chunkier pieces, easier to manipulate. So I think we have now 13 different titles, at least 13, maybe 15 of the my very first game series and it's specifically targeting that three to five year old preschool age getting them to take turns getting them to learn shapes and colors price points very reasonable anywhere from $15 retail at the high end 25 to 30 so and chunky wooden pieces like one of them over here that I have is called hungry as a bear I donated it to the Kim's kids games over here and I watched a three-year-old yesterday play it and he has to roll the dice and find the right color food put it on the spoon and he has to balance that food on the spoon and try and get it into the the bear's mouth. And for us doing it, it seems so easy, but it was really enlightening to watch a three-year-old have to have that manual dexterity to lift and carry and put that spoon in the in the bear's mouth. Right. And all of those games come with a cooperative version and a competitive version. So you can start teaching them that it's okay to lose. That okay. once in a while you're not going to always win the game that somebody else might win. So, yeah, we have a lot of good games for that age okay. group. So to find those, you should just search on like My Very First and then it will have different games for that age range? Yes, that would be the easiest. My Very First Game Series is what okay. it's called. The other thing we do have is the local lingo series. Okay. It's called it's like crazy language. Uh, it's a play on the words, but it's more for parent and, and children interaction. So it's a book of one of them is called Fast Grasp. And it's got several wooden shapes. So at the beginning of the game, you would identify with the children what those shapes are. One's a piece of toast. There's a train. There's a matchstick. There's just very odd different shapes that you want to identify with them. And then the book that comes with the game has poems and riddles and stories and um, all sorts of things. So the parent reads reads the poem or the story, and the child has to identify what it is that the parent is trying to get them to pick up or listen. So it might say, it is green, it is large. It has a lot of teeth, and they grab the crocodile. Okay. And it is green. It is slow. It's an animal, and they grab the turtle. 
So they're solving things in their mind, and you have, as the parent reading the book, you have an answer key that tells what you're supposed to be. They're supposed to be looking for. Okay. And there's also stories that can be read. And so when I emphasize a word really loudly to the child, they go and grab it. Okay. So you can play with multiple children. They're racing to listen really closely to my inflection of my voice, and then grab the right piece. So we have three different series called the Local Lingo, which is great bedtime play. You know, you're reading a story yet you're still playing a game. Um, so it's a really cute little series, I think. Okay, great. So um, where could people go to find more information about Haba? Our website, Haba USA, is probably the best place to go. We have, we're making a lot of videos. I mean, these children's games are so easy to see if, if you see the videos. So we do have a Haba USA video channel on YouTube, so they can see a lot of those videos. And of course, you know, bloggers and reviewers are um, constantly, we're sending out a lot of samples so people can do their reviews on them also. Okay, great. Okay, I think that's all the questions I had. So thanks for talking to us, Leah. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you. It was nice meeting you too. So after I interviewed Leah, I walked up to Stephen Bonacore, Stronghold Games, because every good podcaster should walk up to Stephen Bonacore. And I asked Stephen, Stephen, can I do an interview? And he said, no, not right now. Maybe later. But if you come back at five, I can do it. So I came back at five and did an interview with Stephen Bonacore of Stronghold Games, validating our podcast for all eternity. So here's my interview with the Don, Stephen Bonacore. The Morning Drive Once upon a morning dreary, while commuting, tired and weary, over many a dull and lengthy mile of suburban bore, while I listened as the time passed to my favorite gaming podcast, I recognized a voice I'd heard a million times before. It's that stronghold guy, I muttered as I pushed the pedal to the floor. Yep, you guessed it, Bonacore. No matter what I chose to download, as if in the Matrix source code, inevitably I heard of all the games he'd pushed out to the stores. While my forehead flashed to glisten, just as every time I listened, I quickly switched the podcast so I'd hear him speak no more. Today we welcome to our show a guest we've never had before. To my horror, Bonacore. As the highway blurred around me and my shaky heart was pounding loudly did I hear behind me blazing sirens as I swore. Coming to myself I slowed down while emotionally I broke down, grabbed my iPhone, screamed and deftly chucked it out the door. What's the rush? The cop asked as he tightened my cuffs more. I barely whispered, Bonacore. So I'm here with Stephen Bonacore, President, CEO, Owner. Emperor and Czar of Stronghold Games. Chief cook and bottle washer at Stronghold Games. That's right. <laughs> Pretty much does everything himself. So Pretty much. Uh, also, I might add, what I would consider the most approachable man in the board game industry. Um, you. You've been the one guy I've been able to walk up to anytime, have a conversation. Make fun of me sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just have a good time. I may or may not have written a poem about Steven being on every podcast that I listen to to win a contest. But more on that later. Steven, tell us a little bit about Stronghold Games for the listeners that don't know and what you guys represent and why you're here here at Origins. I mean, we simply represent great games for gamers. I mean, uh, my line has grown and grown and grown, not only just bringing out games for the sake of it, but I, I'm, I'm constantly bringing out games that are a little bit different, a little, you know, a little bit different produced, uh, getting into new, new niche markets or just new markets for me as I go along. Last year was a, a, a year of very big Euro games, right? It had Panamax, it had Kanban. Well, that was a market I had not been in before. 
this year I'm getting into I'm like I'm like the new fantasy fight. I'm getting into a, a space cadets away missions. That's 102 plastic miniatures in the game. You know, a hundred dollar game. So we're just I'm just trying to be, you know I'm trying to be. Uh, in every market for gamers, so so that if you're a gamer out there, you can look to strong games for something. Right. You may not like every game I have, of course not. I don't like every game that everybody does. But if you're into a certain type of game, if you're a your gamer, I got them. If you're a if you like lots of miniatures, I got them. You like hard games, I got them. So that's that's what we're doing. I keep saying I don't have a war game yet, but that's going to change at some point soon, I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there you go. I can't tell you what it is, though. <laughs> what? We're like a huge podcast, Steven. Why don't you just tell <laughs> me? <laughs> All five people will know about it. No, I cannot. Uh, yeah, I can't well, the five that listen to mine and the six that listen to yours, yeah, it'd be you like go. 11 right. people. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I wa I'm interested in the the distribution you're doing for Eggert. Is it Eggert Spiel? Mm -hmm. Eggert Spiel. Um, so tell me a little bit about that relationship that you've built well, with them. Right. That's a that you know that and what I'm doing with Ignazi for Stronghold Second Edition, and what I've done with White Goblin Games, for instance, with Medina. Those are all called co-publishing relationships. You know, uh, I go out and I look for great games that are only published in Europe, and I want to bring them over. Right. I've done that a lot more and more and more. I just announced two new ones this week. I announced uh, the Golden Ages, a civilization-building Euro game with a very small publisher called Ergo Ludi. I announced another one called Porta Nigra. That's the one with Edgar Spieler that I believe that you're you're referring to. Uh, we we have established a relationship a, a while back. I did two games with them and. Uh, Peter Eggert is brilliant, a brilliant guy in the industry. He had he had such a big year last year. I mean, Camel Up is be you know he won the Spiel des Jahres. He's had a Kenner Spiel des Jahres before that. So uh, he's the kind of guy that I want to work a lot with. And as soon as he showed me this game at the gathering of friends, Porto Nigra, by the great design team of Wolfgang Kramer yeah. and Mikael Kiesling. I immediately said, I want this game, and I want to make it the number one game of my new line that I was going to do anyway called the Great Designer Series. Gotcha. And we're going to be doing that. And it's a beautiful game because you're actually building pieces of plastic, uh, and you're actually putting them together uh, to build buildings around the board. Yeah. We're back. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> you had to do, like, businessy stuff. I didn't really understand what was going on. So, um... Stephen, what I know that people listening to this, it's after Origins, but what were the exciting things that you did at Origins this year, and then what's up and coming for Stronghold Games this year? Well, you know, that's a good question. I mean, Origins is, um, has gone through different changes over time. Like, like two years ago, it really kind of sunk down, and the tenants was way down. Last year, it kind of came back with a real vengeance. They had 5,000 pre-registrations last year. This year, they had 7,000 pre-registrations. I had two new games here. I had Dark Moon here. And I had Lagrange here. It was pandemonium here yesterday, okay. at Thursday, at 10 o'clock when they opened those doors. It was like Gen Con crazy. I couldn't swipe the credit card fast enough. I couldn't take the money in fast enough. It was great. I mean, so the energy here and the halls, and you can see this is a, a Friday afternoon. Thursday, Friday, it's all been very, lots of people here in the exhibit hall. All the demo tables in my booth are filled up. You go in the open play area, there's plenty of people. So there's a big new energy here at um, at uh, Gen Con. So um, it's uh, at Gen Con, at Origins. And um, it's it's just really good. I'm really happy that they're back because I think we need another big, good, strong summer convention. Yeah. Even though it's hard for me. And then, uh, you know, as continuing on the convention thing, what's next, you know, for Strong Little Games, we're going to make it, we're going to be at, uh, at Dice Tower Con. Well, not even going to have a booth there. I'm just going to be going down to Dice Tower Con in Florida to harass Tom a little bit more and uh, have a good time 
look at some prototypes, play some games, have some beers with people, just just kind of relax and uh, you know. So I can uh, I, I did some sponsoring down there as well. Uh, from there we go to um, to Dexcon, a local con in New Jersey, to Gen Con, to WBC, and then finally oh no, then to Essen, and then finally BGCon. So it's a big schedule, and uh, you know we we want to be at all these places because it's important. I mean it's important to continue, as you said, most approachable man. Thank you, but we want to be there so that you know we me I can be there with the gamers playing games, hanging out, showing them what we're doing right now. Right. So I'm. I'm specifically interested to hear about Dark Moon because BSG used to be my favorite game. Uh, it's not anymore. I'm looking for a replacement. Dead of Winter, a game that just came out this year, is in that genre. But Dark Moon is really interesting to me because it used to be called BSG Express. So That's right. can you tell me a little about Dark Moon, how it's played, how it compares to BSG, and what it offers uh, fans of the BSG game? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, yeah, BSG Express is what it was called when it was a print-and-play game. And it used all of the Battlestar Galactica IP and the art and stuff, so obviously it could never be sold. Evan Derrick, the designer, really nice guy, brilliant guy. He basically streamlined the game. He stripped out all of the BSG from it, did some a little more streamlining, and essentially he, he has distilled that paranoia, that treachery, all of that from a three, four-hour extravaganza that Battlestar Galactica is and hard to get to the table because you need that much time into this one-hour, one-hour, 15-minute game that is so tense the entire time. The amazing mechanic in that game is that instead of like pitching cards, you know, into the um, when you're doing the uh, uh, crises, the challenges, yeah, yeah. what is it? The, uh, the crisis. Crisis. You're yeah. doing the crisis. You're pitching cards in there. Sometimes it's easy or easier to figure out well who put the bad. Well, you're the only person drawing blue, so obviously it's got to be a blue in there because right. we saw the other blues come out of the destiny deck. Here, there's no way to do that. You have a screen and you have dice, and you can roll a number of dice behind your screen. And then you have to put one into the dice pool in the challenge, you know, when you have to overcome a task or, or an event. All of the dice are six-sided, and four of the six sides on all the dice are negative numbers. Okay. So even a good guy is going to have to, he's going to roll two dice. And when you have that, 50% of the time, at least, I forgot the exact math, but it's close to that, you're still going to roll both negative numbers. Right. Even if you roll three dice, you're gonna still roll. You might roll all negative, and you're gonna have to put negative numbers into the into the die pool, and therefore you're gonna still look like a bad guy. Right. The bad guy's gonna be able to sit back and, and like they'll roll positive. Oh God, dice against me. So it's really hard to weed out the bad guys. And you're constantly pointing fingers and cursing the whole thing that you get from that battle slug lack of experience, but really just distilled down to those core, you know, mechanics of trying to figure out who's with you and who's against you. So okay. really excited. I mean, uh, it's sold out. It's sold out you know in less than uh, the, the first day here so it was it was fantastic for us and uh, I think it's gonna be a big hit uh, it's gonna be released in July end of July okay so what is the theme of Dark Moon Dark Dark Moon you are a um, a miner on the on Titan which is known as the Dark Moon of Saturn and an incident occurs where someone or ones get infected you are you as a human are just trying to survive. You got to go through tasks and missions to get to the end. If you do, you win. And the infected players, which if there is even more than one, they don't know who they are. Though people can reveal, like they, they can in Battlestar, uh, they are trying to destroy the station. And there's various things that they you know that you know various um, items of the station that can be destroyed. And if any one of them get destroyed. The game is won by the infected players. There's the shield control, the uh, 
life support system. There's okay. three, three different systems. Try If any one of them gets destroyed, game over for the humans. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I'm going to definitely demo it. I know it's not being demoed right here because you sold out of it, but I heard it's in the other yep. hall oh, over Yeah, we are. We, I have one of my guys over in the other hall demoing it, so please, yeah, sit yeah. down and you'll be in and out of there. If you play the full game, you're in and out an hour, like I said, but if you, the demos they're doing, they're normally really quick. They're just showing you the, the, the base mechanics of the game. Okay. Okay. Um, so, Stephen, where can people find information about Stronghold Games? Oh, obviously the website, strongholdgames.com. Sign up for the newsletter over there. Follow us on Twitter as well, at Stronghold Games. Future Ryan here. So, being the podcasting noob that I am, I actually ran out of space on my memory card while I was doing Steven's interview. Luckily, it was at the very end. So, to finish off his info he was giving at the end, you can find info on Stronghold Games by going to facebook.com slash stronghold games. And you can also listen to their to Steven's podcast. It's Board Games Insider, boardgamesinsider.com. It's him and Ignacy Trevicek, a very well-known game designer who also owns Portal Games. It's a half-hour podcast. I actually listen to this podcast. It's very entertaining. They give a lot of insight, insider information on the industry and on their companies. Uh, I highly suggest you go out and listen to them as well. All right, back to the show. So, lastly. Now for the main event. Time for the, the main event, the headline interview. It's going to steal away the episode. I sat down with my wife, Esther, not only to ask her about origins, but just to discuss the gaming hobby and, you know, our relationship with gaming and kind of how that plays out in our household. The, per- the perspective of gaming from a, a normal person. Right. <laughs> Here's the interview with my wife, Esther. I really hope you enjoy this. I know I definitely enjoyed doing the interview, and I think it's going to be worth a listen. So I'm here with my wife, Esther. This is a very special interview for me. Uh, one that I really hope our listeners will enjoy. Going to ask Esther mostly about Origins, 2015, her opinions of Origins. Uh, but before we get into that, just want to let our listeners get a, get to know you a little, Esther. So first of all, say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. Um, my name's Esther, so I am Ryan's wife. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know how special it is for you guys to hear my opinion. But anyway, I'm very honored to be able to talk today to uh, hopefully to meet someone soon, the listeners. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little, just a little about yourself in general. So let's start with uh, where, where are you from? Where were you born? I think our listeners will be curious to know that. Well, I'm Chinese, and I was f- uh, I was born in Vietnam. I came to U.S. when I was uh, 19 years old, so it was a long, long process to be able to come to U.S. I'm not talking to that story yet, you know. <laughs> but it was amazing, interesting story for my life to immigrate to U.S. is completely life changing and different so so you were you were born in vietnam and you're chinese and you you obviously are speaking english so how many languages do you know i know four and fluently. What, what are the four languages you're fluent in well i can speak and write cantonese and mandarin english and vietnamese so any uh, any game publishers out there ever need some translation done uh, give me a call or email me 
outergamepodcast at gmail.com and I'll set you up with my wife, Esther. Sure, I can <laughs> I can do that. I, I In fact, I used to do that with a lawyer, you know, with an immigration lawyer. But Hopefully yeah. doing it for board games would be more interesting than for a lawyer. Board games is more fun, you know. It's not so complex, legal issues and all those things involved, you know. Right. So, Esther, how long have we been married? I'll put you on the spot. Well... This coming month, nine years. Nine years. Good job, us. Can't believe we've been married for nine years. And we have how many kids? We have two kids. And what are their names? Evan and Ava. And how old are they? Three years old and six months old. Okay. So let's move on to some gaming-related questions. Well, first of all, question about me. So in the nine years that we've been married... Out of your memory, what are the different hobbies that you've seen me be involved in in the last nine years? Well, when I first knew you, you were involved in computer games. What's it called? What, Dark Age of Camelot? Yeah, you were like really into that. Right. <laughs> so. As most geeks, well, most geeks have been into some form of MMO online game before, so that was mine. Yeah, so, and then after that, you... You still were interested in games in some sort of way. You always love games, and then you do like hockey. So you do play hockey a little bit. So what was it that I did with Peter and Jesse when I was living in California? Role playing. Yeah, and then what did I used to do with uh, with Chris before we got into board games? I'm still role playing. Remember magic? magic? Yeah, I thought it was the same thing. It kind of is. Kind of same thing. A little different. Role playing. So I've had a lot of different hobbies. Now, out of the out of all the hobbies I've had, board gaming being the current hobby that I'm into, which one out of all of them do you think I've been the most into or most passionate about? Board games. Well, you spend so much money. Look at all the games you have. <laughs> you spend way too much money on all the games and times and energies so do you think i have too many games yes how about the frequency of gaming do you think i game too often do i think you game too often well since we have kids and you start to have game night in our house so sometimes it's not convenient but you still i support you but you still try your best to be a good father but sometimes it's not easy to be able to combine both things together so how about this podcast what are your thoughts about me doing this podcast i think it's good i find you very interesting you know oh you like listening to the podcast well i like to listen to your voice oh okay (laughs) how about chris's voice yeah you more exciting and chris more you know kind of like quiet you know (laughs) Thoughtful Chris and, is going to love this. You know, thinker and trying to... He's completely different than you. So you got a good balance on a show. I think that's a good mix. Yeah. So how about just gaming in, in general? What's your general opinion of gaming? Honestly, I wasn't really thinking games are good hobbies at first. As I tried to put myself into the game you know, shows up with game people and I I realize I'm I realize that game really bring people together on the table. Nowadays with social media and Facebook and Twitter and everyone seems to be close to each other but 
people are not close to each other at all. True. So game is something everyone can sit down, have a little actual conversation face to face, looking at each other instead of through a device right. or through Facebook. You know. So I think it's a good thing. Of course, every interest has a good and a bad side. If you want to know what I think about the best side of board games, yeah, let's hear it. Well, the the best side of board games, one thing I can think of is like it really opened my eyes when I see it confirmed to me when I was in Origin because when you're in a board game, what you do all day, you sit down and you play games. Yes, you can talk to each other and everything, have fun, but majority you do, you sit down. Too much sitting. Too much sitting, and that's why I tell you all the time I cannot play game like you all day long because it's my feet would get numb, okay. and then I can't walk, and then I just, <laughs> just I just like oh I I need some movements I need to stand up, it's everything needs a limit. This this interest is good, but it just if you just sitting all day long and play games, you end up hurting yourself. You don't even know. So what what do you think gamers should do to to balance to balance it out? Well, like an origin, you know, I would I would like it to host anything, have some sort of a, like a games activities, social activities, like uh, every two hours or so to encourage all the gamers to do something together, standing up. Like you guys can think of anything, could play a real game. You know, in a big giant circle, have everyone at least talk to each other. You know, meet more new people because what's what's the reason you go to Origin? You want to play games with other new people. You want to meet people. You wanna you wanna talk to new people. So, but if you only go game, you yeah, you can play with the most two three people. Whole Origin, the whole experience. All you just know your friends. You just don't know any other people, and plus you just sit. And sit and sit. You should have something like standing up, you know. So some sort of activity that that involves physical movement, walking around, that sort of thing. You think would be a good good thing to have at a, like a game convention? Yeah, that would be a great thing to, in a convention. I would like it. You know, you know the werewolf game is also a good social, but it's still sitting down. So actually, Origins the events at at conventions like Origins are scheduled by volunteers. So. If you wanted to, you could run that event. You could create really? an event at Origins, and you know we could pick a game and make some sort of active way of playing. And you could put it in the event guide, and you could run it. Would that be something you would ever do at a convention? Oh yeah, I would like that. That would be cool. You know, have people interact with each other, standing up. Because I, I, I was in the boardroom, the gigantic room, oh, thousands of tables, and everyone just sit down. <laughs> From early morning to twelve midnight, three in an a.m. Wow, everyone had no idea what time it was. Yeah, it is. It is sort of like being in a casino. There's yeah, no windows, it's like everyone no was drunk in games. Like, oh, strategy, how to move, how to do this, what I'm gonna do. I'm walking around. I'm trying to hear people. You say, oh, like people. Wow, so intense. So, do you like to play games? I I do like to play games with you with other people, but I don't love it as much as you do. Like on a scale of one to ten of enjoyment, how much enjoyment does playing a game give you? Depend on what kind of game we are playing. Well, you know, like the games you and I play. 
the two-player games or the strategy games, like the games we played at Origins, like how much enjoyment on a scale of 1 to 10 does a game that you, let's just say a game that you like, how much enjoyment does it give you? Well, when I, when I, when I'm not thirsty, when I'm not hungry and I'm not, my, my feet are numb and I, I have more enjoyment. Okay. I just, I all can focus and I'm just, wow, after, this is my fourth game, for example, I'm not, I don't, I can't pay so much attention to it because to a gamer, maybe, but to me, it's just like, okay, you know. So one to 10, I haven't heard a number yet. A one to ten, five or six. Okay, so so if you're not hungry, you're not thirsty, your feet aren't numb, you still give it a five or six. Did I, did I understand that correctly? Seven's the most. Seven. Like, what what game would you say gives you a seven? Well, any like chasing, you know, like compete anything. I like anything compete with each other. Like <laughs> I know I can beat you. I I like anything that I know. I can figure out what you're doing, your strategy, and I, I know it. When I figure out what your strategy is, that's what I find the most enjoyment is. Okay, so you you prefer more strategic games rather than games that have more luck. Kinda, yeah, sort of like that too. But it, some some lucky game also very fun too. Okay, so would you say you like to play new games or games you already know? What what do you prefer? Yeah, and right now, if you tell me. To learn a game, oh, I'm okay when I'm when I'm in a good mood when the kids are asleep and everything. I can learn a game. I don't want any games that give me too many rules and I have to memorize and so many things and then just just it's just it's just I can't handle those games. It's interesting that you say that because I would say your t- your favorite games, most of them do have large complex rules like Agricola for example that's the first game pretty much that we learned that game has a lot of rules but that's I think one of your favorite games is that true or not yeah that's true but this the theme is good you like the farming theme the farming theme is a good thing to play the other games some other games like shooting another outside world space or anything that not so family oriented. So the the theme of a game matters a lot to you yeah, as well. Yeah, the theme is important to me. You don't like any themes that it sounds like that have violence or that too are too much fantasy or science fiction. Yeah, too much out there. I don't like it. So speaking of games, then tell our listeners what would you say are your top three favorite games? I can help you figure out the names if you, if you don't remember the names. Yeah. Tell me some names. Well, think of some games, and then I'll help you remember what the name of the game is. We have played way too many games. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is going to be hard, because you've played at least 20 games. I have no... I I kind of have an idea what your favorites are, but I thought thought you would know. Like, if, if right now you had... The kids were in bed, we had nothing else to do, we could play any game we wanted, what three games would you want to play? The one with bamboo. Okay, so that's uh, Takinoko. Takinoko. All right, what else? Because that one is fun, but doesn't take way too much time. Okay, so you like it to be a little shorter. Shorter. Okay, can you think of any others? The one with a lot of resources. <laughs> uh, the, mm, which one? <laughs> that's that's pretty much every game. No, the one without feeding people. Without feeding people. Okay, so that's not Agricola or Lahav. What are you doing in the game? 
the one we play with the we take all the resources and we're trying to fulfill we have a lot of a uh, building we bought on the both side the loyang gates of loyang no puerto rico would be the one with there's a it's very similar to other resources lords game. of waterdeep yeah lords of waterdeep okay the, the key word there would have been quest if you had said quest i oh, would have known quest. yeah I, li- I like it. i like that game because i feel I'm given to something, okay. and then I need to fulfill it, and I I need to make sure you don't get what I'm trying to get. Okay. Because. So you really like it when you're able to block me from getting something. Yeah. But when I block you from getting something, do you like that? <laughs> sometimes I don't. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. How about every time? <laughs> okay. Can, can you think of any other? A third? So we have Takinoko and Lords of Waterdeep, which I would have guessed Lords of Waterdeep. I wasn't sure about Takinoko. How about like a, a two-player game only that we've played? What's your What's your favorite of those? Uh, the Patchwork and the Library. The Patchwork. Okay, Patchwork. That's Uwe Rosenberg. And the Library, that's Biblios, I think you're talking about. Yeah, Biblio. Biblio. Okay. okay. <laughs> Actually, that game's about monks. I guess it is about monks collecting books for their library. So yeah, that's a, that's a good description. Okay. So I have some questions from Chris. Okay. But before I, before I ask these questions, what is your, what's your, just your opinion of Chris? Let's just hear your general overall opinion of, of Chris Halt. Chris? Yeah. I like him as a person. Okay. <laughs> he is, uh, he's always very active. Very well-mannered guy uh-huh. in front of people. I'm sure he is, though. He's very talkative sometimes. He's a mature talker. So someone is good to have some deep discussion with. Of course, he knows a lot I do not know. So sometimes good to talk to someone, you know. But I like his wife as well. His wife, so Michelle. Michelle. Okay, so here's some questions from Chris. Are you ready? Sure. All right, here we go. Question number one. Do you feel that Ryan appreciates the fact that you have no desire to play games, but do so anyway? You have no desire to play games? Well, I cannot say I don't have any desire to play games. I do like to play games and get me out of the kids' zones, out of the, you know, the mind for the other children all day long. But I do not like that sometimes you pay more attention to the games too much. So do you do you think I appreciate the fact that you play games with me? You appreciate a lot because this is as a husband and wife we should learn about each other's interests and this is such a big interest of yours. So I like to be a part of it, but I also want to always make sure you're in line. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Question two. Let's say this is a hypothetical situation that Chris is presenting here. Okay. It's good at that. He says, let's say that you threw away half of Ryan's gains because you had no choice. They were overflowing all of the rooms in the house so badly that everyone was being displaced and forced to sleep outside. How would Ryan react? First of all, they would never happen. <laughs> you are so organized. Everything is so organized by alphabet, by colors, and by everything, you know. So it never, never, never happened. But let's say, but let's say it did. You threw away did. half my games. How would I react? Well, you would still love me, but you would be furious. <laughs> okay. But what if I t- if I told you that I would sell all your half of your games? 
to to give money for a better cause. That would make you feel better. Okay. <laughs> And what do you think I would do afterwards after you sold those games? Well, you still buy them anyway. Go buy buy them again. Yeah, yeah. you're probably right about that. All right, here's question number three. If the house were flooding, and Ryan had to choose between saving A, his games, or B, Evan and Ava, what would he do? Evan and Ava. No, no question in your mind. No question because I know you so well. Well, you love Evan and Ava a lot, and the way you are with them, you will never abandon your children for games. Good, I'm glad we straightened that out. Okay, <laughs> all right. All right are you clear, Chris? <laughs> okay, let's move on to the origins questions now. Actually, this is an origins interview. Wanted to get the kind of the background in place first before we. We just jump right into talking about origins, even though you mentioned some of it before. Okay. My first question is, why did you decide to go to origins with me this year? Why did I go to origin with you? Because this is something we really had fun the last few years. Something fun for us to do, and I like the North Market. The North Market. So for the people listening, the North Market is a. It's an area right next to the convention center that. It's it's a market where there's a bunch of、uh, businesses selling food and mostly food, but other things too. But there's a lot of different restaurants, not even restaurants, like food stands, I guess I would call them, of different types in there. And we we pretty much ate there every meal <laughs> of the day because it's it's way less expensive than going to the restaurants. So you like the North Market? That's actually not part of Origins,、uh, but but it's right next to Origins. Yeah, it's part of the experience. Well,、so. you have to eat. True. Some sometimes. Well, I see gamers. All they do is snack junk food all day long and, and drink soda. It's not good. So, what was your favorite part about Origins, just in general? The one thing I like Origin the most is the to、uh, the play in a boardroom. I don't need to bring games with me. I can choose so many games. Plus, if I want to learn some games, you know, the dealer hall. It's a good place. They tell you all different kind of games from a three-year-old or ninety-nine years old, different type of games for different type of people. So it's good to learn different games and meet different people. And sometimes we get some good deals out of some games. Okay, so you like the you like the dealer hall and the the boardroom. Yeah. What was your least favorite part of Origins? There's no water to drink in the、um, hall. They don't provide you enough water. Yeah, that's a good point. We brought water. We had two huge gallon things of water in a hotel room, and we would have to fill them up, and then bring one with us in the car to go refill, because all the water jugs around the convention center were always empty, which is really bad. I mean, people could get seriously dehydrated. I think because they're probably not drinking much anyways, and then when they try to, there's no water available. Yeah, there's no water. So, out of the games we played at Origins, so think back to the different games we played. What was your favorite game that we played this year? Cosmo. Cosmos. Is that a company? That was the company. The yeah. The company. Yeah, the first thing I think of the Cosmo company. Do you mean the Dimension game that the, we played by yeah, then? Yeah, Dimension game. Okay, what did you like about that game? I like that how how different every time, every round, we got different cards. You know. Give us some limits, what to do, what we can, what we cannot do, and within a minute or two, we have to meet in a requirement of each card that we, you know, and trying to 
earn as many points as we can. So I, there's a competition involved, and also the, the strategy and it's changing every time and under pressure. That sometimes make the game fun. I think you just wow, it's new every time. It's kind of like puzzle a little bit, but it's brown as a ball. You you just stack it up and just it's kind of expensive though the game you sell. You know they're selling the game for basically full price. It was fifty dollars at the show, and at first we thought, wow, this is really overpriced. But then when I saw the whole game with all the spheres, you know, for four players, there's a lot of of them in there because we checked the game out later. And then for online, the game was around thirty-three dollars. So, do you think that's a good price for the game? It's reasonable. Okay. What, what would you say if I told you I already ordered this game? You serious? Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't tell you what I like. Then. <laughs> well, I already said earlier in the show that this was the surprise, my surprise favorite game I played at Origins because I usually don't like games with no theme like like this game. But there's something about this game that I I thought was really fun. I had a similar experience two years ago at Origins when we played Survive. Yeah. I remember we, Esther and I sat down to a demo. We were only doing these demos because at the time, Stronghold was, um, you could play five of their games, demo five of their games, and then you would get a game at 50% off. And I really wanted to buy the game CO2. So I knew nothing about the game Survive, and we needed one more demo. So we sat down to play it, and we both immediately fell in love with the game. I think we played it two or at least twice at the demo. And then Esther used her 50% off to buy the game. After after swindling Stephen Bonacore to, to give her not only the game, but all the expansions all for 50% off or something. I don't know what you did. You somehow negotiated him down and he just gave up and gave you, gave you like such a great deal on it. Oh, I appreciate him. Okay, what was your least favorite game that we played at Origins? Least favorite? Yeah. Okay, let me just list off the games from the top of my head that we played. We played we played Agricola, we played La Havre, we played Puerto Rico, played Seven Wonders, we played Biblios, we played Dimension, played Patchwork. I think that's oh and Splendor. Played Splendor. That Splendor was the one with like the poker chip pieces. L- let me just show you Splendor. Oh this game. Yeah, the second time I liked it much better than the first time. The first time I was playing with you, but I was so sleepy. Yeah, this is a common theme for us. I always, as the listeners know, I have I have 40 games I haven't played yet on my shelf. So I try to, to play new games pretty frequently. The problem with Esther and I is when the kids are in bed, it's like 10 p.m. and she's too t- almost, she's too tired to learn a game. So I'll lose her after five minutes. She'll start falling asleep. And if I if she if she fights through it, she usually doesn't enjoy the game much, even if she gets through the rules explanation. So it's hard to introduce new games, I think, uh, at this stage in our life when we have our pretty much our only free time is at night when we're both tired. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. So I would say, I, I, I don't think you've rem- you're remembering, but I think your least favorite game you played was Lahav. That was the impression I got when we were playing. Lahav, the game with the boats, where you have to feed your workers. Yes, that was the one that was constantly feeding and feeding and boat. And, and... Which which is kind of sad for me, because we used to love playing that game together. 
I still do it when three people are playing. It takes way too long time. I'm glad you're the one always filling the resources and everything. You pick up resource, and then after four round, you feed, and every time you feed, the food increase. <laughs> and all you care about feeding, feeding. Always was in your mind. Oh, do I have enough food? Do I have enough gold? Do I have enough food? So, which out of the Hav and Agricola, which one do you think is harder to feed your people between a, those two games? Agricola. You think it's even harder in Agricola? Because the Hav is the good thing about the Hav, even though it's long, but you still be able to to like subtract some money if you own a boat. So if you if you're trying to get a, a wooden ship or steel ship. That would be cheaper to right. feed, but for a regular, you basically have to feed. Wow! Like the, the closer to the end, you just wow! I have to feed. I have to sacrifice animal. I have to just constantly think about feeding. Is is just too much? I think it's harder in Agricola too. Yeah, probably for the same reason. I have played a, a regular for too many times now, and I've learned one thing: the more cards you're trying to play, the basic one you're trying to get. The basic strategy is just getting one occupation the most, or just one minor improvement, one thing. Just one. Just one, and you get the most points. Out of so many times we play, because there are so many uh, new cards now, and you pick for because the more occupation you're trying to put out, you just trying to. Gets too many occupation turn, and you just lose turn to getting other things. Right, and every time you play one, you have to spend food. Yeah, and you spend food. That's to... really hard. And I, I remember the game, the time that we play. I earned the most point. You say that the highest ever was a was the one I only use one occupation. Okay. And one minor improvement. Because when you give me a stack of 10, stack of... Th- and then you go, oh, I have to pick how many, you know. Yeah, Esther typically beats me in a group when we play head-to-head. She She's good at the animal strategy. She, she's a farmer at heart, I think. So in the dealer hall, you mentioned the dealer hall earlier. What was your favorite booth that we went to in the dealer hall? The jewelry and the dyes. Okay. What did you... Did you buy anything at Origins? Yeah, a little canela ring... Carnelian ring, right? Carnelian yeah. ring and a very cool dice. Very, very cool. Yeah, we bought a, a die at the... Well, we bought three dice, I guess, at the Chessex booth. But to ex- try to explain why we why we liked this, this particular dice. I was thinking about that. I knew you were going to ask me that question. I was looking at the dice this morning, and I... That dice has a combination of all the colors of our wedding. Really? Deep burgundy, deep blue, and gold. But there was, that wasn't the reason we bought yeah, it, though. But the, you know, the art of each die is so unique. And there's something inside yeah. that dies that's so cool. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like when you, when you look it up in the air, you can see light. Yeah, there's a... I've never seen anything like this. And I, I was actually... Esther didn't want to buy it because it was a little expensive. For, it was a, one of those giant D6 die, but it was a little overpriced, I think, and they would not negotiate. Esther has really good negotiation skills, and they were not budging on the price. But it was really mysterious. Like, the, the like you would look in, you could see something inside the die. The, the best way I could explain it is, like, when you look at a fossil, like a, like a, 
if you've ever seen like an amber when they take amber off a tree and there's a fossil inside that it's like it looks like there's a fossil inside our dye that's that's the best way i could explain it to people without them seeing it and that was the only one yeah. out of so many big dyes i saw none like it okay so would you say you had fun on our vacation yes i did honestly i did have fun okay so here's the big question then would you would you like to go to origins again with me next year yes great we'll make our plans i found out that if you want to book a hotel like one of the downtown hotels you have to book it in september wow i didn't realize it was that early that's even that's i think even earlier than when gen con does it okay so for our listeners out there so you're the spouse of of someone who's very into games and you're just kind of into it. So I'm wondering if you have any advice for any listeners out there that are like me that love gaming as much as I do and they want to get their spouse involved in gaming with them. Any advice? So just play with your husband, just give yourself a try. You know, you may like it, you know. So to me, because I love you and I'm willing to do that, and it's important to to be more understanding. It, I know it's, it's not something for me at all in the beginning. It's something completely out of my box. I came from a, a place that I didn't like games at all. Mm-hmm. I thought game was something not good because I saw how much time my brother spent in games. So give me such impressions. A game is something just draw you away from family. Just when you're into something... You just don't know anything out. Like, oh, I'm lost. Just like anything out, when you spend way too much time on something, no matter how good the benefit of it, it's still a bad thing. So advice is just just play something that you guys like, you know, that you and I like. We start something simple, not any game that would take three, four hours. Could be two-player games or something just... Just do it. You can do a lot more out of love. <laughs> so how about for the, the listeners who are the per- the person into gaming? What advice would you give them for getting their spouse into games? Well, of course, you need to buy something your wife likes. Well, if your spouse likes certain things, certain theme, they say, you know, honey, would you consider to play this with me? I think you like this theme. Maybe we could... Let's give it a try. Maybe we'll... We'll like it more than we think, you know, something, see we can have more discussion, talk, topic to talk about, you know, to play. So I think the theme is important. Remember you you asked me to play a game before that the theme is so much about, what is it? Arkham Horror. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do not like that. I cannot handle the theme. Just too much magic, evil, and depend if you into that, it's okay. But to a person like me, I I can't handle that. And the, this just by you talking is making me sleepy. <laughs> yeah, that was a fail on my part. I learned after yeah, that. Yeah, so just the important part is you shouldn't make your w- wife or your husband to play something that she doesn't lie or he doesn't lie. The theme is very important. There's so many themes nowadays. People make games out of any theme. You can pick up any theme. Whatever spark your interest, you can just play. So I think good advice for both. Okay, any any last, anything else you want to say to our listeners before we wrap this up? <laughs> anything else? I'm just happy to be interviewed here. So I never thought I would be interviewed <laughs> 
what what my opinions are about games. <laughs> But anyway, it's good to play games. I think, but just just like anything else, don't be into it too much. That you just you just don't know everything else. That's not good. Just have to balance yourself. Which one's more important? And what you should do? What you shouldn't do in life? Just like anything else. When your free time, what is more important right now? Should I choose to play game or should I spend something else? It's all about your priorities. Well, thanks, honey, for letting me interview you on the podcast, and thanks everyone for listening. But most importantly, <laughs> here we go. Just not sit down too much. Thank you, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview with my wife. Let's get a little perspective into the Graham household. I think that wraps up episode 11, the Origins 2015 extravaganza of Out of Game. I'm looking forward to episode 12. Yeah, already. me too. But you know, until then, if you want to go out to our guild, go out to BGG Guild 1990. You can find a direct link to that from our webpage, outofgamepodcast.com. Click the little board game geek dude. Take you right there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, or Facebook. What's our Twitter feed? Twitter feed at OOG Podcast. That's right. Facebook, you can come out there and look, but there's nothing there. But we are—we do have a Facebook group. Uh, you can email us questions, which we'd really like you to do. Uh, out of game podcast at gmail.com. And you can leave us a voicemail at 40-OOG-OOG-80. Those O's are letters, by the way, not zeros. That's a good point. Yeah. 40-OOG-OOG-80. Leave us a voicemail, and we will play your lovely voice on the show. Ask us a question, and we'll answer it. Make a comment, and we'll respond to it. You can just make fun of us. That's fine, too. We really want you guys to leave us a voicemail. And I think that's about it. We'll see you next time. See you and next time. time.